We're going to talk about marriage this month. Is that all right? We talked about it once last month, but I just, um, I just wanted to dig in a little more because I didn't think it was painful enough one time <laughs> last month. So we're going to dig into it a little more. Listen, if you're not married, don't stop coming. Uh, if you're single, you're young, you're single, don't stop coming because some of the most important things you can learn will be in the next month. Uh, to make sure, to ensure that you have a lasting, loving marriage. These are things. Oh, by the way, three days ago, my wife is down working with some kids this morning, but three days ago, we celebrated 21 years together. Isn't that awesome? So, um, uh, it's exciting time. And, uh, and I want to make sure, I, I learned something when I was, um, about myself over those 21 years. You know, I, I, I love tools. I, you guys can go ahead and actually leave now because it's us. Yeah, you're not doing anything. It's just everybody's looking at you. <laughs> Waiting. Yeah, it's fine. Somebody just, you can start humming. Um, here's what I learned. I learned that when I, when I first got married, I love tools, by the way. I, I, if you walk in my garage, I got a whole wall full of tools. I organized them as, as well as my brain can organize them, but I've got all kinds of tools on the wall. I've got tools in the cabinets. I love tools. I love new tools. I like old tools, but I, I like tools that work. And what I realized was when, when everybody gets married, they got a little toolbox with them. It's what you learn from, from, from growing up in your parents' house. Some of those tools might have been good, some of them not so good. Some of them might have worked, some of them not worked. But everybody's got this old toolbox carried into your marriage. You know, you, know, you start out with the, with the every, anybody remember the hand drill? You know, you hold the top and you turn it like this. That gets the job done, but it's not real efficient, right? I mean, you can drill holes with that, but... But I, I can remember when the first cordless, when the first like cordless drills came out, and uh, man, I thought I remember getting one for the first time right after we got married. I got a Craftsman fourteen four fourteen point four volt, got a Sears, and I came home. I think it was like a hundred dollars. That's all the money we had. <laughs> I was like, if we're gonna have a real house, we gotta have a cordless drill. So um, I remember getting it and bringing it home and just thinking, this is the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Like, uh, I had somebody tell me this morning that, that they gave their kid a drill and it was the old corded style with the chuck and they were like, I don't, how, how, do you put the, how do you put the bit in it? Like, I don't understand what's going on here. So, but I grew up with that stuff and so, so when we switched to cordless drills, I thought, man, this is unbelievable. This is amazing. And, we, and I finally got one. And then they came out uh, with the cordless impact. Any other guys in the house? You know what I'm talking about? When they came out with the cordless impact, I was like, I'm done, man. I don't need anything else. Give me any project. I'll get my cordless impact. And I'll get it done, right? But here's what I found out. Is that you don't start out with all the tools you need. Because when you start out in marriage, oftentimes you don't even know what tools you will need. Unless somebody tells you what tools you need, but you're so young and smart and you know everything that you don't believe them when they tell you. It's like, hey, listen, you could be arguing a little bit when you get, a, you know, get into, oh, we'll never argue. Okay, okay, okay. You don't need that drill then, that's fine. Don't come to me when you want one. So... So what I found out was, I also like, uh, I work on my truck, I drive a Ford, so I work on it a lot, and um, 
all you Chevy fans out there, dummies. Um, so I, I've, I've been inside my truck motor before and gotten like halfway into it and realized I don't own the tool that I need to do this. And, and realized in a panic, I need this truck to run tomorrow. And if I can't find the tool to fix this today, I'm stuck. And so me and my father-in-law made many, many rapid life-saving trips to Advanced Auto or to Lowe or somewhere like that and rolling up saying, hey man, do you have a 22 millimeter like uh, Allen thing? Because I'm in, it's bad. I got grease up to my elbows and the guy's just looking at me like, dude, I, we've seen a lot of you guys come in here before driving them Fords. Um, <laughs> so, um, he's like, yeah, we keep a lot of them in stock. So anyway, what you find out is that pressure reveals the tools that you don't have. And it also reveals the tools that you do have. Pressure in your life will reveal what you're equipped to handle. It will reveal how efficient your tools are. And so if you're trying to drill a hundred holes with a hand drill, it's going to reveal that you're going to be slow at it. But if you've got a 20 volt cordless drill, then you can make some stuff happen, right? But what often happens is you hear people in marriage say everything was fine until and what follows after the until is usually some type of pressure. Well, they got sick or we lost our jobs or or this happened or that happened or this. And what you find out is everything was fine with the tools we had until something came along and we weren't equipped to deal with it. What happens oftentimes that I see is that the tool that you need is unaffordable now. So a lot of times they're like, well, I can't, I can't afford to, I can't afford to do that. So I just, it's just easy to give up. There comes a point in time in your mind where the tool that you need to purchase now is more expensive than what you feel like your relationship is worth. Everything was fine until this. And then I realized I needed a 20-volt cordless impact, and it was $300 at Lowe's, and I only had 150 so I just gave up on the whole project. So what I want to do is I want to give you this month four tools, four tools. The first one we're going to talk about today is going to be the basis for everything you build on. you got to have this in your toolbox, or it will not work. I don't care what other, you can have a battery charger with no battery, and you're not going anywhere. So we're going to talk about communication today, how to make sure you're communicating love so your spouse understands it. And it ain't, I love you. (laughs) You're like, dude, I've been saying that for 20 years. She ain't heard me once. So there's that, love. We're going to talk about fighting next week. How many of y'all like a good fight? None of it, like I know some of you aren't raising your hands. You come in week after week all bloodied up. I know you like fighting. Listen, anybody that's been told, if you're not married yet, you're young, thinking about getting married, if you've been told that, that man, you know, God doesn't like conflict, then, you, then you've never really talked to anybody that's been married. Matter of fact, the Bible says that it's good that there's conflict among believers because then you can figure out who's right. That's why we fight, right? 
to figure out who's right. No, but there's natural when you put two people together, you're going to have disagreements. So how do you do that without killing each other? Physically and mentally, which mentally is what we do to each other most of the time. So we're going to talk about communication, how to communicate love, how to fight well so that you're not killing each other, but you're, but you're, but you're, but you're coming to conclusions. We're going to talk about consistency. If I found out one thing in the past 18 years of raising kids, it's consistency is king. If it's wrong yesterday, it's wrong today. If it's right yesterday, it's right today. So in our modern day, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. That's three weeks, so you better get prepared three weeks from today. (laughs) Consistency is king. In our world, it's not consistent. The truth changes every single day. And how are you going to raise a kid when when, when the parents can't be consistent? Is it, are we honoring God today or are we not? I'm not sure which one it is. It depends on what dad feels like. Are Are we honoring God today or are we... So, and then, and then the last thing is unity in marriage. Listen, if a husband and wife will pull in the same direction, nothing is impossible. But if you pull against each other, everything is impossible. Did you hear that? If you pull together, nothing is impossible. But if you pull against each other, your evil kids will use that against you your whole life. <laughs> They'll exploit you. Oh, well, mom said no. Dad will say yes. Pull in the same direction and crush those little kids. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Put up a wall of unity in front of them. Let them know you're not getting away with this. I'll slap you for even saying your mother said. (laughs) My kids knew what was coming. All right, stand to your feet. Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians. His first letter, chapter 13. This is the love chapter. I'm going to read the first three verses. And then we'll, we'll look at the last, the four through eight here in a second. Paul starts this conversation out kind of in a negative context. He said, if you have all these things and not love. And then he goes on through four through eight to explain what love actually looks like. So watch this. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I'm, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He said, I can talk in the most eloquent, eloquent words you have ever heard, but if, but if I can't express love through those words, then I'm saying nothing, then, I, then I'm not understood. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, did you hear that? If I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all possessions to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul's saying this. Paul's saying, if I could do all these marvelous things and do not have love, he said, I will not be understood. I will not amount to anything and I will gain nothing. That's some powerful language, isn't it? He said, so love is the basis for all that we do, all right? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that it changes us today, God. We pray that we'd be able to communicate love so that someone can understand it. Pray that you equip us today. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, 
Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it ain't what I'm saying, it's what you hear. It's not what I'm saying, it's what you're hearing. So there's a problem there, right? There's a problem there. Because if you have been in any type of relationship, whether it's with your boss, whether it's a work relationship, the issue is not, the, the, the pressure is not on the person receiving the information, the pressure is on the person giving the information. Did you hear me? The pressure is on the person giving the information. So the threshold for love is not that you think you are giving it, it's when the person you're giving it to understands it. So that's totally different. Because we could say, I'll do this with my kids. I'll say, I told you once. And they're just looking at me like, I know you said some things. (laughs) And so what I started realizing was, Maybe I'm repeating myself so much because I didn't say it in a way they understood it the first time. Oh, man, I just took all of your excuses away as parents. My kids don't understand anything I say. Maybe it's because you're saying it this way. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm talking to my kids as a 41-year-old, not an 18-year-old. Have I actually tried to communicate it in a way that they can actually understand what I'm saying? So we do this with, in our relationships with our spouse. Uh, I'm going I'm to let you in on my life a little bit. And if you go around telling anybody, I'm going to be upset. I, I, we're live streaming this, so. Okay, 21 years of marriage. My wife has had unbelievable uh, life in those 21 years. It's the best she could ever have lived. <laughs> She's down with the kids. So you don't know if I'm telling the truth or not. Here, the first six years of our marriage, I, 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 I had some tools in my toolbox. I had a couple tools. I grew up with a, in a loving home. My, my parents are still married to this day. Uh, I think 43 years. And we, we lived through some extremely difficult times. Extremely difficult times where my dad, uh, you've heard me tell the story before maybe, where my dad was disabled when I was eight years old. Like real disabled. All right, like he's 28 years old, he cannot stand up anymore or he'll fall over. Like lost his driver's license. He actually kept trying to go to work until the place that he worked for said, Bruce, you are too unstable, you're gonna hurt yourself in this factory, we have to let you go. You're not gonna be able to do this work anymore and, and exploratory surgery, all that stuff. My mom goes to work for minimum wage and supporting uh, four people and, and, and then then just it keeps happening, right? So I grew up in this place where extreme difficulty, but my parents stayed together, but it wasn't perfect. And so I had a few tools. But one thing I determined was that I, I didn't want to argue a lot, right? And so, so the first six years of our marriage, I didn't really say a whole lot. You know, because if you have conversations, you're going to end up in an argument, right? So I talk. I mean, what's the point? If you're just going to end up in a disagreement sooner or later, why say anything? So I would just be quiet. Now, my wife, on the other hand, is an unbelievable person, but she is not quiet when it comes to that type of stuff. So she would talk, and I would just sit there. 
Which if any of you are the people that like to talk it out, you know that's the most frustrating thing anybody can do to you on the planet. Is just sit there and look at you. I'm like, dude, you're going to argue. You're going to argue with yourself. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. So here's what I would do. I would come home. I, I worked two jobs. We first got married. You know, I didn't. I, I, I dropped out of college, and um, back then you had to work two jobs to make. I mean, I worked. It was six dollars an hour, something like that. So I worked two jobs and acted like I made twelve dollars an hour. <laughs> That's what it was. Work eighty hours a week. Work two jobs, equal forty hour, twelve dollars an hour. And then I got in the construction trade, and, and so I'd work during the day, and then I'd, then I'd find side jobs, and I'd do, them at, I'd do them in the evening till 10, 10.30 at night all the time. And what I would do is I would come home and say, man, you're beautiful, I love you. You're beautiful, I love you. Sounds like somebody's tried this. You're beautiful, I love you. <laughs> and she would say, please don't take another one of these jobs. And I would be good for about a month. And then someone would say, hey, you got any time? I got a basement you remodel. And I'm going, oh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm there. I work two jobs and make $12 an hour. We're going to do this. And, and then I would come home, start the cycle all over again. Hey, you're beautiful. I love you. And, and she would say, please don't take another one of these jobs. And that happened for about the first six years we were married. And then some, somebody gave, me a, gave us a book. I don't even know. I don't even remember how we got it. So we got Gary Chapman's Five Love Languages. And I read that. Because listen, there's nothing more frustrating than thinking you're telling somebody that you love them and then not, not, not understanding it. If you, has anybody ever been to a foreign country? I've had the ability to travel a little bit. And um, I, remember, I remember being uh, two places specifically. I remember being in Paris one time and uh, standing in front of Notre Dame on the river that if you walk down this way, you go to the Eiffel Tower. Well, I didn't know that. I couldn't see the Eiffel Tower from there. I was on a layover and I was running around town trying to see all this stuff. You know, get your picture in front of it like all the stupid Americans do. And, um, and so I stop, I stop a cop in Paris. They're, they're, they're walking by and I say, hey, could you tell me where the Eiffel Tower is? And, and they were like, and I'm thinking, well, it's the Eiffel Tower. I'm not sure. Don't you say Eiffel Tower? And, and so what I realized is they don't really pronounce it Eiffel. It's, it's pronounced different, and I'm not going to pretend to know French. But there's a communication breakdown. So here's what we do in the communication breakdown. We tend to get louder. As if louder English will help them understand it better. Eiffel Tower! Which way? So I was in Honduras one time on, a, on this whole church when uh, we, we took a big team on a mission trip to Honduras and we're in a Carl's Jr. restaurant, which I think should be required to speak English. It's an American restaurant. And so I'm a little high maintenance when it comes to hamburgers. I'm not going to eat one with ketchup on it. I'm not going to eat one with pickles on it. I'm not going to eat one with onions or tomatoes on it. I'm paying for the hamburger and make it the way I want to. Don't advertise it that you will if you won't. So I get up in the line. It's my turn. I'm all panicky. I can't speak Spanish either. I'm panicking. And I, and I just looked at the lady and I said, hey, I had like a number three with no tomatoes. No, I, this is all I want on it. And she just went. <laughs> so I said it again as if she would understand. So then I, then I bring my four-year Spanish honor roll student daughter up and say, Madeline, tell her no tomatoes, no ketchup, no onions is all I want. And Madeline looks at me and goes, just pick it off. 
And I said, Madeline, I'm paying for the hamburger. Tell her I don't want to tell her I don't want the stuff on it. Tell her right now. No tomatoes. I'm like, what do you do in school? You're in Spanish honor roll. You can't tell her what a hamburger with no tomatoes looks like. And and so she's just arguing. I'm like, don't, I'm your dad, don't argue with me. And and so Brad is standing over the missionary. I'm like, Brad, come here. <laughs> Tell her, and, and you know, we start elevating our voice. But don't we do that in our relationship with our spouse? When they don't understand us, we tend to elevate the frustration, right? The frustration gets high, and we start raising our voice. As if us saying it louder means they understand it better. So the threshold is not on the person receiving the information to understand it. The threshold is for you to say it in a way that they can understand it. So the weight is on the person trying to communicate it to the other person. So I was in Honduras, in her country, at her place of employment, where there is no requirement to speak English. Yet I am super frustrated that she can't understand me. Busting up the whole restaurant, making everybody behind me wait, because this needy American is standing there going, No tomatoes! That's what our marriages look like sometimes. You know that, don't you? We're just screaming it at, you, at each other. But you don't understand, I love you! Well, it really feels like it right now. Because I don't understand anything you're saying. But you keep telling me in that language. So, so the pressure's on the one communicating it, not the one receiving. Because it's what they hear, it's not what you say, correct? It's, not, it's what they hear, it's not what you say. And you have to realize that they're filtering what you say through all of their life experiences. All their, it's not good or bad, it's just the way it works. So when you say, baby, you're beautiful, they go, oh, does he really mean that? So watch this as I almost knock it over. Watch this for those of you that are thinking about getting married. Gary Chapman says this in that book, Five Loving Languages. What we will do for each other before marriage is no indication of what we will do after marriage. What we will do with each other while we are dating, what we will do for each other while we are dating is no indication of how we will act afterwards because all guys are perfect at the bait and switch. Any ladies want to say amen? Amen. I mean, we've got the bait and switch down. We will spend our bank accounts to zero while we're dating. The day we get married, we're like, that's efficient money. That's not... I don't know where you got that idea that we were going to buy purses every week but that money's been set aside. <laughs> we might not have talked this out at the beginning but you should have known better. Now that statement is very important because of this. Paul tells us what love look, looks like, right? He said it's patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast. From four through eight in that same section of scripture, it does not dishonor others, not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it protects, it trusts, it hopes, perseveres, love never fails. So, Paul gives a definition of what love looks like. 
But we have to communicate what love looks like to our spouses in a way that they can understand it. The burden is on us to communicate it well. So talking louder and faster in the same language will not produce any different results. Watch this. Remember remember what he said? What you will do before marriage is no indicate. There's no correlation with what you will do after marriage necessarily. What? Watch this. We will study each other before marriage, won't we? We'll find out. You'll find out what your what your girlfriend's favorite flower is, and you'll send it to her. You'll find out what your boyfriend's favorite hobby is, and you'll get him something in that, having no idea that that will be to your demise later on when that's all he does. Like, well, I bought him a set of golf clubs when we were dating, and he's never paid attention to me since. So watch this. Watch this. God, God is an unfathomable being. The Bible says that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered in the heart of man what God has prepared for us. We have no ability, we, we have very limited ability to understand who he is or how he operates. We know he's omniscient and all-powerful and all-knowing and omnipresent, he's everywhere. It's just hard to fathom him. But when God wanted to express his love to us, what did he do? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what, you know what Chris's paraphrase of that is? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that so he, you could understand how much he loves you. He, he, for the first time, did it in a comprehensible way. That, 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 that there's God, the, the one that the, that the Israelites were even afraid to say his name. And now, in Matthew, the beginning of Matthew, it says, now there was born of a virgin, Emmanuel, God with us. All of a sudden, God was in the flesh with us. Now we can understand. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You can understand it now. Now God is communicating love in a way that all of us can grasp. I didn't understand it before, but now a man would lay his life down for me. That's the ultimate, no greater love. Now I can understand it. Now, now I understand how it works. Now, now I can comprehend it. God has shown himself in a way that I, that I can grasp his love for me. So Gary Chapman would say there's five ways that you can show your love, that that we speak love to one another. But by the way, for all of you that like to use words, that, that is so little, Right? I just read another study this week. 60 to 90% of all that you communicate has nothing to do with words. That's why I'm not afraid to say I'm not a poet. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to make stuff rhyme. So, so what happens is, what we do is when we're uncomfortable doing it another way, we always revert back to words, don't we? Baby, I love you, I love you, I love you. I don't know why she's not getting it. I tell her I love her every day. So Gary Chapman talks about five ways that we can experience love, all right? Now, when, I'm, when I read these out, I want you to be thinking about them because everybody fits into these five. You might have one or two of them. Now, watch this. Ready? Are you ready? Gift giving. Come on, raise your hand right, right now if you say, man, I love getting a gift. Ain't nothing better than showing up at the house and having a brand new cordless drill on the... <laughs> Woo! All 
All right, now how many of you like giving gifts? Raise your hand. You're like, man, I've... Good, my address is 816 Royal... Okay, watch this. So gift giving. Quality time. Anybody in the house like quality time? That's not sitting down watching TV together and not saying anything. That's locked in, eye to eye, communicating in a way you have my undivided attention. It's not sitting at the dinner table with your phone out. Anybody like quality time? Yeah? Words of affirmation. Anybody like that? I'm going to say I'm a sucker for a good compliment. You're the best husband ever. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Right? Words of affirmation, acts of service. Anybody like acts of service? Man, my wife loves this. I could go out and put steps on the deck, and, and it's like the best thing that's ever happened to her. I'm like, I don't know. It looked like a lot of work to me. I don't know. <laughs> Acts of service. And then the last one's physical touch. And it's everything you're thinking about. <laughs> so watch this. Here's the problem in most of our lives. If I, communic- if I understand love a certain way, let's say hypothetically it's words of affirmation physical touch so then that's what I'm geared to give did you hear I'm geared to then give that words of affirmation so I'm going to tell my wife how good she is how good she is how good she is but then what I realize is that her her language is different than mine and so I realized that when I'm talking to her, she doesn't understand it the same way I do. She understands it in the sense of quality time and acts of service, which are two things that I hate. <laughs> if we're going to watch a movie, I don't want to talk during the movie. Right? But if you keep screaming louder in the same language, you're still not communicating. So watch this. Here, here's something that just jumped out at me. I mean, jumped out. Remember, Gary Chapman said at the beginning, when you're dating, don't take that as an indication of how they will act after you get married. Don't, don't just automatically assume, oh, they, they want to spend all this time with me. Don't automatically, come on. Anybody that's been married a little while, you know what I'm talking about. Now watch this. First John says, we have this confidence we have this confidence. You put it up on the screen. We have this confidence that whatever we ask according to his will. When we pray it that way, what does it say? He hears us. Did you hear that? That just jumped out at me. It said, whatever we ask according to his will, he hears us. Now watch this. How do you know what God's will is? You became a student of God's will, right? Right? So you got in the word and you started saying, listen, oh man, the Bible says this, this is God's will. I'm going to ask according to God's will. God, you said you'd give me the strength and energy that you never leave me and forsake you. You said I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me and there's a difficult thing coming up my way and I know that you're going to empower me through it. I pray that you would do that. And here's the confidence you have. Because he already wrote it down, you can pray that and it says it's guaranteed you can have confidence that he hears you. Watch, while we were dating, you used to study your spouse. Didn't you? Her favorite color is pink. 
Her favorite food is this. What are Brussels sprouts? Her favorite. And it didn't matter whether it was your favorite or not, did it? But you became a student of who they were. But then the marriage happened and you stood in front of the minister and you assumed that you passed the test and you stopped studying. Hmm. <laughs> Can I just wake you up a little bit and let you know that your marriage day was not the passing of the test? That was the beginning of the hardest test you'll ever take in your life? There is, there is no pass or fail test and then it's over. You're in this class for all eternity, baby. Till death do us part, right? Sicker and sick in health, richer for poor. That's what it means. There are no pass or fail. You're in it. So we'll stop studying and then get frustrated because we can't talk in a way that they will hear us. But the Bible says that if we study God and know his will, then we can talk to him in a way that he will hear us every time. So I started thinking, man, if I studied my wife like I would study God so that I could guarantee he hears me, I could study my wife enough so that every time I talk, she would hear me. Mm. But I keep screaming, physical touch, physical touch, physical touch. I only know one language, right? So you spend 20 years talking the same way, being frustrated because she doesn't hear anything that you say, and vice versa. Listen, if his love language is words of affirmation and physical touch, he's not a dirty old man. Stop making him feel like it. Why don't you talk the way he can understand it? And oh, by the way, there's no, I'm going to wait until he says it the way I like it. Because while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until we got everything straight. You want your marriage to change? Start talking their language whether they can speak yours or not. Come on. Just start talking their language whether, they, whether you feel like they deserve it or not. Be a student of your spouse. How do they know love is patient? How will your spouse know? Well, okay. Can I give you another great example? Just practical. This happened a couple weeks ago. We were in the Smoky Mountains. There's a, there's a tanger outlet in the Smoky Mountains. It's, I don't know, like 40 acres. <laughs> there's never been more dread come over a man than when he pulls his truck into that complex. <laughs> Me and my son are looking at each other going, this is going to be the longest day of our life, bro. We better find a knife shop in here somewhere. I started thinking about it as soon as we walked in. I, I, I swear, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not making this up just for the, for the sermon illustration. I, I mean, I started, I started having the shakes when we pulled in this place. And, uh, and, and I, I knew they had one tool store, and I knew we could spend about two hours in that thing. So Carter and I, right off the bat, you know, I got three girls in the family. So we get in there and automatically they go into a store and I, and I just said, hey, Carter and I are going to go get this thing done. 
So I don't know about you, but when I shop, I can walk in the store and in 30 seconds I can tell if there's anything in there I want or not. Just like it's just some type of energy God's given me. Just walk in and be like, nope, nothing in here I want. I just walk straight back out. I don't need to, I don't need to flip through the racks. I just know inherently there's nothing in there I want. So, so Carter is the same way. You, you like boys can get that early on. It's a gift. I don't know if you've read it about in the Bible, but it is one. Um, so, so Carter, Carter. So here's what happened though. We're on vacation. I want my wife to understand that I love her. And I want her to know that, I, that I'm okay spending time with her outside of something I desire to do. So we go shopping. Now, Carter and I did bust off and go our own separate way. So we walk around this huge, massive set of outlets in about an hour and a half, probably. We spent an hour and 15 minutes in the tool store, and there wasn't nothing else we wanted to look at. So we walk around this whole place. Three hours later... <laughs> Three hours, probably. We probably spent five hours at that place altogether. I know, and you, I know God told you to pray for me. I know he woke you up that day and was like, pray for him. He's going to need it. So, so here's what we did. My son is 14 years old. He doesn't understand any of these concepts yet. So he instantly went to, we need to get out of here. This is crazy. What's taking him so long? But I wanted to convey to him that love doesn't look like that. Love is patient. So if you're going to ever communicate love to your spouse, Carter, you've got to learn how to walk slow through these places. <laughs> Come on, it's all funny, but isn't it true? So if I say I love you, but I won't be patient in a language that you understand. So what do we do? We sat down on a bench and started looking up YouTube videos of how to build a forge. Because <laughs> that's what guys do. I don't want to dress. I want to make something out of metal. So here's what happened. When my wife and daughters finally came back around, I prayed to God that I wouldn't have an attitude about it. Because what is love? How am I going to express that? I'm going to express it in a way that she understands. I'm not going to say, baby, I've been patient with you for 21 years. No, we're, we're in a shopping complex that I would rather gouge my eyes out and, and, and go anywhere else on the planet than that. I'm going to communicate love to her in a way that she can understand it. He came shopping with me today and never complained. He was actually encouraging. I know some of you don't believe it, but that it did happen. Stand to your feet. If the guitar will work, the band can come back up. <laughs> so me sitting on the bench that day, not complaining, when my wife and daughter passed us and wanted to go to four more stores, was me saying, love is patient, and I want to make sure you know I'm patient. With We're on vacation. This is not just my vacation. This is your vacation, too. And if this is what you want to do today I'm fine with it I love you more than getting to shop or getting to do what I want to do I love you and I want to communicate that in a way and by the way I want my son to see I said don't you open your mouth <laughs> so I, I'm telling you I'm not making this up I said don't you open your mouth your mom and your sisters are having a good time here and we're going to be patient we're going to let them have a good time we're going to support them today don't you shut your mouth <laughs> 
how else is she going to understand it? If I love her, why wouldn't I search out a way for her to understand that I do? Now watch this. The issue with this communication thing is it's the pivotal building block on everything else we're going to talk about. Because you know what? If you're going to have a disagreement in your relationship and they're not confident that you love them, forget about it. There's always going to be something in the back of their mind making them think they don't, I'm not sure they love me. And I'm not sure that like when, when, when we're disagreeing, I always think there's something in the back that they're going to pull out of. I don't know that they got my best, but if they're confident that you love them, then you can disagree on things. She's fine with me not going into the brawl shop with her. Because she knows that I love her. So it's not hinging on me doing, us doing everything exactly the same. We can disagree about some things, but there's no, there, there's no, there's no wonder whether I love her or not. So you got to get the communication thing done. If you're going to be in unity, it's got to start here. If you're going to be consistent, it's got to start here. You got to be a student of your spouse and then talk to them the way they can understand. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. It's been fun. God, but I pray that you drive it home in every relationship that's here, every relationship that could start from this day forward. Pray that you drive it home. God, the burden is on us as individuals to talk and share love in a way that the people we love the most can understand it. It's not on them just to accept whatever we're dishing out. Lord, let us be students of the people we love the most. Just like we're students of you. God, we pray that as a church, we'd be able to communicate love in a way that our community could understand it. And I pray that these descriptions that Paul gave, Lord, of being patient, kind, never failing, Lord, I pray that that we'd be able to communicate that, Lord, every single time. We thank you for it, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you communicate love to us in a way that we could understand it. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die for us. So that whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. And we have that opportunity this morning to take advantage of that. You loved us in a way that we could understand. Teach us to do the same. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you say amen and give him honor and praise this morning? He's worthy.